You're listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Here's your host, Randy Wilson. Hello, this is Rock Bottom Radio, brought to you by Dryject and Turfnet, two of the most brilliant concepts in golf. Today, I thought I would try something different. Instead of story time at the end of the radio show, I decided to open with it. So here we go. Once upon a time, our nation was racked with all sorts of protests. Everybody was mad about something, and we all splintered off into our own little tribes. Of course, it was nowhere near as fractured as today, mostly because we didn't have the internet. The speed of information back then was slower than today and more centralized. But we had riots and stuff burning back then, too. The only ones who actually benefited from these disturbances always seemed to be the folks in power. The circus atmosphere kept the people from seeing what the folks in control were up to. After a while, some of us realized that most of the uprisings were engineered to distract us from the real solution, which would be to remove those folks from power through term limits. Just imagine if you had a green chairman who did whatever he wanted to without fear of being removed for 40 years, and whenever he wanted something, no matter how illogical, he just whipped the membership up into a fury, saying things like, I just played over at Hooty Hoot Country Club and their fairways are soft and fluffy and ours are thin. So, in keeping with the times we live in, here's a story about the time I led a protest. I was the new kid in school, having just moved to a little town in West Tennessee. Seemed like I was always the new kid, sometimes even three times a year. That's because we moved a lot in the military, but I think we moved even more in golf. Our last course had been in California and before that Bavaria, so I was used to culture shock. Except the culture shock of transitioning from those places to small town Tennessee. It was kind of severe. By about sixth grade, I had developed a method to help me survive as the new kid. First, I learned you never appeared desperate to make a new friend. And before you actually made a new friend, you had to run a background check to determine if they were dangerous or were the algebra teacher's kids or... Worst of all, if they were uncool. Next, I identified the cool kids crowd and avoided them like the plague. If they sensed you were trying to get in with the cool crowd, that meant permanent banishment to the lowest levels of school society, the dork or the mama's boy or the clingy kid desperately seeking acceptance. For me, being a football player helped as that usually offered a quick introduction into the school's elite. And as long as you remained aloof, it was often possible to blend quietly into the general population with only a couple of beatings. At this particular school, I arrived as a 10th grader, just in time to go through the whole desegregation thing. It was sort of like the movie Remember the Titans, only things were nowhere quite so Disney. There were random acts of violence, bomb threats, protests, walkouts, sit-ins, and all kinds of dangers, the worst being the cafeteria food. It was awful. No, awful is too weak a description. It was rotten putrescidity. Just the lunch bell could trigger a Pavlovian gag response. Every day we had but one entree on the lunch menu board. Thin, gristly cheeseburgers so greasy that they wouldn't stay on the plastic trays that I believe were previously used in a federal prison. These burgers arrived crushed between two moist and wrinkly buns served by dry and wrinkly lunch ladies who stared at us with that Clint Eastwood expression. You know, eyes narrowed into slits of death. 
Unfiltered camel cigarettes dangling from their lips as smoke curled up into their hairnets and ash sprinkled like dandruff onto our trays. It truly was the lunchroom from hell. As a side dish, we had what was labeled as french fries, but appeared more like amputated zombie fingers slathered in enough ketchup to drown a wharf rat, which I suspected might be the source of the burger meat. I just couldn't bring myself to eat their slimy offering, and as a result, by 3.30, when football practice started, I had to function on air and anger. I finally resorted to bringing my own lunch. My mother would fix me a tuna sandwich and a couple of cookies the night before because she had to be up early and head for the golf course to run the pro shop while Dad prepped the course. It was a pretty good plan, except for when I tried to buy a little carton of milk. Apparently, there was a hard and fast rule about the price. If you bought the standard tray of filth, you got a carton of milk for three cents. But if you were a nonconformist, an outsider bringing your own lunch, the little carton of milk skyrocketed in price to 15 cents. I know that doesn't sound like much now, but in those days, well, a nickel could buy a pack of gum or an ice cream cone. A nickel in 1970 was like a dollar now, and that really added up after a week. I only made 75 cents an hour at the golf course, so 15 cents a day was a whole hour's pay. I'm sure you understand why I was outraged. Being the weird new kid from California, I was hesitant to do anything to attract even more attention to myself. It was a small farming town, and I really didn't fit in. I had to do something, but it couldn't be overt. Fortunately for me, I had spent the biggest part of the 60s as an army brat, most of it stationed on an army base in Bavaria that was considered the home of Army Special Forces. On that base, the art of UW, or unconventional warfare, was preached like a sermon at a Baptist church, and the philosophy trickled down into everything we did. Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, schoolwork, golf, everything we did required looking for some way to do it with an unconventional angle to gain an advantage. At this particular backwoods high school, I applied the theory of UW. I took a terrible risk and sat down, uninvited, at the table where the defensive line and the linebackers held court during lunch. I applied a careful dose of PSYOPs, or perhaps it was even PSYWAR, but I suggested that the school authorities were taking advantage of the football players, expecting the team to win the state championship while feeding the key players garbage. I further pointed out that the school wouldn't even give the players a choice in the matter. Our all-state middle linebacker, Vlad the Impaler. That wasn't his real name. I just nicknamed him that after noticing during scrimmages that he enjoyed blood. I mean, really enjoyed it. Anyway, Vlad studied me for a moment and growled, Is that why you bring your own lunch? I was thrilled that Vlad actually replied in English rather than just grunting and dismembering me rolling my head across the floor. He did try that later in the season, but that's another story. At this point, I knew I had the attention of Vlad the Impaler and his henchmen, so I went for it. Yeah, I said, pretending to be confident. I bring a little sack lunch, but I only have a tuna sandwich because it's impossible to bring enough nutrients to help you lift weights and play football. You know, we need real food, like beans and real potatoes and cornbread and actual meat. In fact, I don't even think that's real meat on the tray. They stared at me for a few seconds before Vlad the Impaler said, then what do you suggest we do? Start a riot? No, 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 I answered quickly. But if the football team, especially you fellas, the biggest, scariest guys in the whole state, were to boycott the school lunch, that would certainly get the school's attention. 
And if you were to strongly suggest that everybody in school, not just football players, stop eating the school lunch, why, just the loss of money alone would freak out the big shots, and remember, they don't think anything is starving you. Maybe they'd cave in and give us real food. There was lots of grunting and growling and bicep flexing, and and the next day, almost the entire football team brought their own lunch, and the boycott was on. By Friday, probably 80% of the school, including a few teachers, were in on the boycott. And on Monday, well, I found myself in the principal's office, surrounded by an angry principal and several outraged school board members. They threatened me with a boat paddle. I should probably explain that for you young folks. In those days, we had capital punishment, and it was fairly common to get what was known as an ass-whooping for minor infractions like back-talking a teacher or failing to produce homework. Anyway, they waved the paddle around and suggested certain death by being expelled or being suspended, and they grilled me like the bad guy in an old film noir detective movie. You know, the low-hanging bright light, interrogation techniques and such. It went on for at least five minutes. They raged and howled and even considered bringing in a preacher to exercise whatever evil had gotten into me. And then, Dad walked in, and I knew I was dead. I had not expected things to get this bad, so I hastily examined the windows in the principal's office. It was probably not more than 30 feet to the ground, easily more survivable than the wrath of Dad. As I went through the other scenarios of escape, I realized Dad was talking to the principal and those other school officials. Do you eat this food? Dad said in a tone I would one day refer to as his Billy Jack voice. Sometimes, said the principal rather nervously, but that's not the point. I think it is the point, Dad said. I noticed Dad didn't sit down, but remained standing almost at parade rest, his hands clasped behind his back. Why don't we go into the lunchroom and see this food the kids are boycotting? Maybe we should even eat some of it. Fear gripped the room. No one moved except Dad as he gestured toward the door. The principal dabbed the sweat off his forehead and said, Well, well, wait, let's just hear what the boy has to say. What, what exactly do you want, young man? Why did you start this trouble in the first place? In a trembling voice, I said, All we want is a choice. The option to eat something besides a greasy burger and nasty french fries every single day. You know, we want vegetables and stuff like that. It, it would help the football team, too. That's asking a lot, muttered a thin, gray-faced old man in an undertaker suit. I don't know if we can do that this year. Well... I shrugged. Every other school I've been to has managed to serve real food, like beans and mashed potatoes and cornbread and macaroni and cheese and real meat and, and jello. You know, real food. The following week, we had real food in one cafeteria line, and the other line retained the mummified burgers and the rancid fries. Virtually nobody went for the burgers, which later on that year were replaced by little square chunks of pizza that tasted a lot like the rat burgers. Now, I wasn't really considered a hero because folks forget that stuff real quick, but at least the football coach knew my name now, although he didn't use it. He just called me that troublemaking little bastard from California. But sometimes after I, I ran a touchdown, he eased up and called me Princess or Cupcake. But I didn't care because I wasn't living on boiled owl feed or whatever that burger had been made out of. The moral of our story? I don't think there is one. I just wanted folks to know that protests have been around for decades and we don't have to think things are circling the drain just because the situation gets sideways for a while. Things can improve if we all pull together. That is, unless, of course, the protests are engineered by folks only interested in increasing their political power. 
For more stories about the crazy side of golf or perhaps an adventure novel or two, check out rockbottomfilms.com. The anti-golf protesters are back and they set our sign on fire. That sign is concrete. Yeah, they having a terrible time getting it to catch fire, but that ain't all. Now they're trying to pull down our statue. Why do you suppose they want to do that? They're not sure. I hope them spindly little hipsters will haul it off after they tear it down. I bet that golf pro at Burnt Run put him up to this. Ludell, go get the backhoe and help them protesters knock that statue over. What? Mama, that statue represents the history of our golf course. It's a statue of a cow. And just because we was a dairy at one time don't mean we have to keep kowtowing to a graven image. You know, the Bible warns us about graven images. Well, it ain't like we painted it gold and worshipped it while Moses was up on the mountain. Don't argue with me. Just do it. Besides... That statue is insured for enough to buy a new fairway mower. I represent SAGV, and we are formally declaring this property to be under occupation by the forces of the socialist anti-golf vegans. Aren't you the mayor's boy? Is this what you learned at Yale? Old woman, the mission of SAGV is to turn all golf courses into free parks for the people. Golf is a waste of natural land. You evil capitalists have contrived to construct an artificial environment catering only to the super rich. You see that group on the practice green? They look super rich to you. Cause every one of them wearing overalls. Them's working folks gathered here to enjoy being outside and playing the best game ever invented. Where does Darlene get them tight-fitting overalls? I need me some just like that. Mama, your overalls are already so tight I'm afraid they might explode and kill somebody. Ow! Mama, I'm just kidding. It burned. Now what's all this about turning my golf course into a free park? Last month, the government turned Farthingsworth Municipal into a free park, and it turns out that it was much more popular as a park than a golf course. And the short grass spots were the best picnic areas ever. The kids loved the sandboxes, at least for the first few days. Then the greedy powers that be stopped raking them and getting the water out. You have any idea how much it costs to maintain a park like that? You willing to pay what it takes to do that? Because golfers are willing. Do you understand the word free? Do you understand the word ass whooping? Hold on, Ludell. What's your name, young man? Huey. Huey, as I understand it, your group is anti-golf because you contend that golf is nature that has been altered into a contrived environment. Is that right? Yes. I'm guessing you like hiking in the forest. Yes, a natural environment. You do realize the minute a trail is cut through a forest, it becomes an altered, unnatural environment, right? I need to, uh, return to my troops. Hey! Them kids is all headed out on the golf course. Actually, this is now the Rock Bottom People's Socialist Free Park. Who's this goober? He's a protester. Seems like everybody thinks it's 1968 again. Hey, Cletus, did you protest when you went to college? I didn't go to college. Ain't but one member of our whole family ever even been inside of college. That was Uncle Bedford. What college was that? Emory. Emory Medical. Your Uncle Bedford was a doctor? No, he was a cadaver. Boof, did you clean the restrooms? Yeah, every single dead burn restroom on the course is out of toilet paper again. They must think it grows on trees. Somebody's stealing it. Have to be pretty desperate to steal that stuff. Mama's been buying that military-grade transparent restroom paper. It ain't military spec. It's that enviro-biodegradable paper that dissolves when exposed to water or light or air or... Or when you look at it. Hey, while y'all sitting around here jawing, 
Them anti-goths done took over the car path on 14 and blocked it. Uh, okay, now we really have to do something. Well, not really. You can just drive around them. They don't know what our golfers know, that car path rules are meaningless. Mama, can I use the bear spray on them? We ain't got no tear gas left after that riot by the Women's Association. I must have been off that day. What were the women rioting about? Toilet paper. Listen, Liddell, I want you to take a 50-pound bag of sugar, two big jars of honey, mix it up in 100 gallons in the green spray rig, then add some dish soap, and go out there and get upwind of them protesters, then spray them down with the hose gun. That ain't gonna do nothing but make them sticky. Do what I say. Never thought I'd see the day that Mama caves in to extorting and mob violence. Okay, Mama, I sprayed them protesters real good. Must have put too much soap in the mix because they started screaming and running around like they was in a horror movie. I'm here to inform you that we've decided against occupying Rock Bottom. Why? Because it's just not up to our standards. We're going back to Farthingsworth Municipal. They do a better job of maintaining a free park? No, we're leaving because you people have a real problem with bees and yellow jackets and hornets. Our comrades are getting stung out there. Comrades? Didn't you read Animal Farm in school? No, I didn't study agriculture. I majored in social stuff. You know, I don't blame y'all for getting upset about things, but you're being deflected away from the real problem by folks who don't want you to know the truth. What truth? That our economy will continue to struggle for decades because we've been in the grip of professional politicians for over a century. You want to actually change things? Well, the only solution is to enact term limits. Not going out and burning concrete cow statues. Yeah, it's the same tactics them Bolsheviks used to jumpstart the USSR. They burned cow statues? Did they just completely stop teaching history? Willie, take this young fella out there and let him try some golf. Show him how this park really works. I will not submit. Relax there, Huey. Just like that imaginary play fighting you like to do. It's called LARPing? Yeah, that. Anyway, instead of a toy sword, you use this here. It's called a driver. You swing it just like your sword. It's much heavier than my sword. Okay, I gotta go to the big box store. They got a big shipment of toilet paper and bear spray in. Be back later. There now, hit the little ball just like I did. No, 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 swing at the little ball, not some imaginary orc. It wasn't an orc. It was a dragon. Just swing at the ball. That was a fine golf shot. Ah, that felt good. What do we do next? Well, we go find the ball and you hit it at that flag up on the hill. Okay, okay, come on, hurry up, let's go, let's golf some more. So tell me this, why do y'all want to topple our cow statue? It was mostly the vegan faction, they're a violent bunch. They want to wipe out all traces of the history of cheeseburgers. Speaking of cheeseburgers, I make a pretty great mushroom burger. You reckon that mob of yours is hungry? Yeah, but what about the vegans? Oh, I've got several bushels of mushrooms. Everybody says I make the best mushroom sandwich. My rich Uncle Ned Moose died yesterday. He's only 106. What killed him? I expect is all the carousing and the drinking and the womanizing. Of course, he's still carrying on right till the very last. 
Says here on his obituary, he fell from a window on the top floor of his double wide. Told you he had money. You reckon he might have been pushed out that window? The police are investigating it as suspicious. Yeah, they always check and see who might have profited the most off the death. You know, stuff like insurance policies, who was in the will. Well, that's me. I- I'm his favorite nephew. You might be inheriting a two-story double wide. Imagine that. Unless that little hussy he married got the wheel chain. What hussy? Uh, she's a dancer over at the zebra club in Bug Tussle. Awful sort of woman, just awful. Is her name Romina? Yeah, why? Cause the newspaper says she's the prime suspect. Don't even mention you, Cletus. I should be the primary suspect. I'm his favorite nephew. Maybe you could introduce me to Romina. It's my kind of woman. Rich dancer with her own high-rise trailer. Liddell, I shoot you dead before I see you in my double-wide inheritance. Cletus, the cops are outside. They're probably here to interrogate you. Where were you yesterday? Uh, Zebra Club, but I'm gonna say I was here working. Y'all back me up, you hear? Absolutely, Cletus. Which one of you is Cletus? I am. I know you came here to investigate me, but I was here all day yesterday working and uh, playing some golf. Ask them, they'll tell you. What about it? Was he here yesterday? No, Cletus is a bigger liar than a CNN newsreader. Coming here asking us to cover for him when he was really at the Zebra Club. Just check their security cameras and take his lying ass off to prison. Liddell, I swear when I get out, I'm coming for you. Well, you know where to find me. In my two-story double wide with my hot girlfriend, Romina Satchel. Well, it won't be Ned Moose Simon's double wide. Protesters burned it to the ground. That's why he was jumping out the window. And why'd you bust in here looking for me if you knowed what killed him all along? Because Romina Satchel filed a complaint against you, stating that you stole her work uniform. Cletus, did you steal the woman's uniform? He shouldn't have thrown them at me. The uniform in question consists of a pair of silk sequin drawers, but if you give them back, she's willing to drop the charges. Ain't all she's willing to drop. Cletus, just give Romina her drawers back. I can't. Why not? Cause I'm wearing them. All right. I'm deputizing y'all to help me recover the drawers in question. I know my rights. You can't take a man's panties. I declare the Fifth Amendment. I really should chase him. I don't do that. Here, have a mushroom burger. Believe I will. Happy trails. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? All right, I'm back, and I need help unloading the truck. Okay. I just saw the strangest thing. Those protesters and the police are all out there singing Why Can't We Be Friends and appearing to get along. Yeah, those um, anti-golf types got hungry, and, well, Ludell had all that wild hog meat in the freezer from, you know, when you shot him, and... He also had several bushels of mushrooms that Cletus picked, and then Booth made some of his brownies. Where's the youngin' that was leading the protest? Huey. Apparently he's trying to get in 36 holes before dark. Who put our cow statue back up? I think the protesters did, but I can't recall, because, you know, I had a burger too. I had a feeling everything would work out fine. All we need is some understanding, some compromising, and... And some term limits. Average folks in office for a short time. Yeah, you get some crazies like that wild-eyed woman up north, but, you know, they can't do near as much damage as somebody entrenched in there for 50 years. You've been listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. 